maybe. Maybe it's that young single person who seems to have just wads of disposable income and is always on a new adventure. Maybe, as was said to me within the last week, as an empty nester, well, you basically get to do whatever you want now, right? <laughs> not yet, Norbert, not yet. Um, there are two people, when I, when I think of like, just living freely, that come to mind in my life. Um, and one of them is uh, just a really artsy musician and really could care less about, just really one of the most talented people I know and could care less about their, their abilities, their, the gift that they have. I mean, they use it and they, they play and they enjoy playing, but they're not really all that impressed with themselves. The other one is an incredibly accomplished athlete who hates competition. Right, we, we would beg him to compete as part of our team, and he would just rather not. And he just didn't really care what, what people thought. He just did his thing. Um, and now he's actually one of those influencers on Instagram who's like, anyway. Um, but most of the time, despite how free I thought they were, I would look at them and I would feel like I needed to ask them, like, hey, are you okay? They weren't content. There was no peace. They didn't even seem to be happy, really. So there's um, in the, this teaching series that we're in, Live No Lies, based on a book by John Mark Comer. In the book, he quotes uh, an Oxford theologian. And Andre, if you could put that quote slide up. The first one, Michael Green. In this age, which values freedom almost more than anything else, Jesus confronts us as the most liberated person who ever lived. Jesus as the most liberated person who ever lived. Jesus does not, did not spend his life in pursuit of the perfect glazed donut. Right? He did not spend his life in self-indulgence. He did not spend his life seeking his own comfort. Right? All those things that we attribute to being really free. Now, Jesus didn't really care what other people thought, but it's not because he didn't care about them. It's because he knew who and whose he was. The other interesting thing about Jesus as the most liberated person possibly who's ever lived is he's the only person in history who has successfully defeated what we've been talking about as the three enemies of the soul, right? We've been talking about the devil, the flesh, which we're currently concentrating on, and the world. And Jesus is the only one who's conquered all of those things. So this morning, we're going to take a look at this distorted idea of what we call freedom today. In, the, in, our modern, in our modern Western world. And we're going we're gonna to look at uh, some passages that help point us in the direction of what freedom really is all about. And we're going to start in, in the book of Galatians. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. Some of this you'll recognize if you've been here the last couple, couple times. Um, I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to jump down, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 26. I'll stand over here so you all can see the screen. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. We talked about that a couple times ago, right? That's one of the things that turns down the voice of the flesh, is acts of service and kindness. 
For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you're following along in your own Bible, underline that part. We're going to come back to that. So that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So usually I will go through and I'll go verse by verse through this stuff. I, I'm, I'm going to pull out a couple of big ideas and we're going to talk about the big ideas that Paul brings out. So he wrote this letter to the church in Galatia, which was a brand new church, and uh, Galatia is what is now modern, modern day Turkey. And we're going to look at these two things, Andre. There should be a slide that says legalism and lawlessness. We're going to look at these two ideas, legalism and lawlessness. And in the first century, legalism looked like this. Christianity grew out of the Jewish tradition. Right now I'm stealing all the fan. I'm sorry, that was a bad place to... Um, Christianity grew out of the Jewish tradition, and there was a group of people in Galatia who thought that in order to become a follower of Jesus and stay a follower of Jesus, you had to first become Jewish, and you had to hold to the 600 and some odd laws of the Old Testament, which included dietary restrictions and purity laws, um, and participate in this elaborate system of sacrifices and festivals that lasted the, the year round. Now, today, legalism still exists, but it looks a little bit different, right? A couple of those words um, in the list of the acts of the flesh, um, selfish ambition, envy, those are kind of some of the things we get puffed up and proud, and we're like, look at me, I'm like, I'm doing, I'm like tracking with Jesus, I got it, I got it all going on, right? And we, if we fall down that, that path, we can get judgmental, factions, dissension, it's a really bad road. So it looks a little bit different, but legalism still exists today. That's kind of what I would call affirmative legalism. And then there's negative legalism, which is the I'm not good enough in quantity or quality. And we've spent a lot of time talking about that idea, right? The idea that I will never be able to do everything that Jesus asks of me. So those are the kind of the aspects of, of legalism. The other side of that coin is lawlessness, right? The big 25-cent word, ready for this? Antinomianism. Say it, antinomianism. <laughs> it basically, there was a group of people who thought, great, Jesus died for our sins. In Jesus, I'm forgiven. Let's go crazy. We throw off all restraint and do whatever we want because we're forgiven anyways. Anyways or anyway? Today... That's not, 
not really the issue, right? We don't have a lot of people outside of the church running around saying, yeah, I'm forgiven, I'm going to do whatever I want. But the, the lawlessness is there. The lawlessness is there. So how did we, how did we get from things like um, Victorian England and the Puritan culture to today's like basically free-for-all, where we would define freedom as doing whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, with whomever I want. How did we get there? So there are a couple things. Dre, I think there's a slide with a couple names on it. Um, you will recognize maybe the first one. And most modern mental health people have discredited and disproved the majority of Freud's stuff, but it's still shaped in a large, large way much of how we view freedom. Freud's deal was you, have, you are not happy, you are not at peace, your psychoses, your neuroses all stem from the fact that somebody said no to you or don't, right? They just, they took your desires and they squashed them. Whether that comes from inside, he would call that repression, or outside, he would call it oppression, and just squashed those desires, and that's why you're not living the life you want to. And that, you can see, all we got to do is look around, even like I don't have to look outside of my own life to see how that, that affects us. And these, um, this current distorted view of freedom, like acts of service and kindness turn down the volume of the flesh, this is like an amplifier turning up the volume of the flesh on us. And we, um, Dre, you might have to, I want to go back. You might have to go back in the slides for that definition that I gave us of the flesh, just to, just to remind us. Uh, um, towards the, there we go. Thank you. Our inclination to make bad decisions and do hurtful things apart from God and his direction, all the while thinking we are doing good or the right thing. And throughout history, this idea of the flesh across faith traditions, across cultures, has been described in terms of, Dre, next slide, the very next one, of wild, dangerous, uncontrollable animals. Right? So that's, it's our animalistic tendencies kind of run amok if they're, not, if they're not reined in. Dre, I'm making your work really hard, buddy. So you're going to have to jump down to the one um, after Freud and, or back to Freud. There's another a philosopher named Charles Taylor, and he, um, he tells us that as a society, we have moved from an authority culture, which kind of had guidelines or barriers or ru not rules so much, but just guidelines, um, guardrails of things like government and marriage and tradition and the church. We no longer look to any of those things as a society for our guardrails, primarily because we don't trust any of them or they haven't worked in our favor. His, his suggestion is that we moved from an authority culture to an authenticity culture, right? And we talked last time about the idea of you do you, right? Follow your heart. If it feels good, do it kind of thing. And that has become our guardrails. So that's how we kind of moved into this current state of where we're at, where freedom is defined as, if it feels good, do it. What does that look like? Let's describe it a little bit. Dre, you can put the next slide up. St. Saint Augustine, long, long time ago, he said that this 
this freedom, this take on freedom, because while it runs amok today, it was still present back then, this take on freedom is loving the wrong things or the right things the wrong way. Right? So loving the wrong things would be, this is just really extreme example. I like to go get liquored up and then go find a fight and go punch somebody in the face. Loving the wrong thing, right? Very clear. Loving the right thing the wrong way. I love my job. I cannot spend enough time at work. I cannot spend enough time working on my career and making sure I get done what I want to get done to the detriment of my faith, my family, my friends, my health, right? Work is a good thing. God created us to work. And then we take it and it becomes the thing and we love it the wrong way. Am I making sense? Is that, okay. And then um, Edmund Burke, 19th century philosopher. Men of intemperate minds cannot be free. Their passions forge their fetters. I had to read this quote like three or four times and look up three or four words. So if our minds are uncontrolled, if we just let them go wherever we want, we will never be truly free because we will be drawn to our passions. And those things that we felt like, oh man, I'm free, I get to do X, Y, or Z, they become our fetters, shackles around our ankles. You ever see those old time like Western movies, the chain gang, they're like, what? You're not, gonna, you're not going very far with fetters around your ankles. Our passions become our fetters. Those things that we look to, we call them disordered desires in our description of this teaching series. Those things are now what lock us up. Porn, alcohol, adrenaline, a relationship, the hope of a relationship. All of those things are like, we've talked about them before, as pseudo joys, right? And they, they keep us locked up. They keep us locked up. So, um, that's kind of where we're at, what that idea of the pursuit of a false freedom looks like. What, what, is, what is true freedom then? I, I asked you to underline, I think it was um, uh, 17 and 18 of chapter 5. Dre, could you put that up? You are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, right? So you're not to go crazy, and you're not to feel captive to the law. Like if I don't obey every single one of these commands, God hates me, right? If it's not either one of those, then what is it? Let's look at a quote from Tim Keller. Next slide, Dre. Real freedom comes from a strategic loss of some freedoms in order to gain others, it is not the absence of constraints, but it is choosing the right constraints and the right freedoms to lose. So freedom is not doing whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, with whomever we want. Right? We need to identify those things that are in line with what God designed for us and allow those to dictate how we live, how we respond to Jesus. Um, the next quote is from John Mark Comer, the author of the book. We need to be the kind of people who give ourselves over to the relational constraints of love. Both quotes, the word constraint. So we're, real freedom includes some level of constraint. And he specifies it as a, the relational constraints of love. 
right, at a very high level, living like Jesus lived. We'll talk more about this in a second. Here's my summary of this stuff. Next slide. The end of freedom is not self-indulgence, but rather Jesus expressing himself through each of us and our unique wiring so that we love and live for God and others. If we are truly free, we are going to be walking in step with the Spirit. This is life by the Spirit. This is the difference between indulging the flesh and being a slave to the law. This is life by the Spirit. And we cannot, we cannot get to this on our own, right? This is, we cannot fight the flesh. We cannot live in true freedom just by sheer willpower and, and white-knuckling, single-handedly grit our teeth and, and get it done. Paul tells us in this passage that we read that the key to turning down the volume of the flesh is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is um, described in lots of different ways in Scripture. I'm just going to give you a couple of them to kind of frame the rest of our conversation. The Holy Spirit was, is our guarantee of an eternal relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to go to heaven, be with my Father, but it's for your good that another is going to come who's going to be with you wherever you go and whatever you do. And his job, his job is to, um, and even Ben, as Ben was praying, he listed some of the aspects of the Holy Spirit's job, to teach and to encourage and to comfort. But he's also got a little bit um, harder job, harder side, right? He also exists to convict and to challenge and to correct. So the first piece that we need to live in true freedom and to fight not just the flesh but the devil in the world is the Spirit of God. We need to live by the Spirit, and that comes through a relationship with Jesus. When we come to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness, Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the second part is we need a person or people, right? We need a person or people. We need someone that we trust, that we can go to and say, I'm struggling with this. I just, I need to tell somebody and I trust you. You've earned my trust. So would you help me walk through this? Hopefully through it to the other side. So it might, it might look something like this. The Holy Spirit gives you a gentle nudge or perhaps a slap in the back of the head, depending on, you know, your preferred method or necessary means of communication. And he identifies a desire that's become disordered, right? A craving of the flesh that has the better of you, that has imprisoned you. And you wrestle with that for a little bit. And you turn to Jesus and you say, Jesus Here's what, here's what I'm in the middle of. Would you forgive me? Would you heal me? Would you work in this situation? And then you take that and you go to your person or your people. And I, this is not like, it's not a large group conversation. It's not, a, even like when we do groups here on Sunday, it's not that conversation. It's one or two people who you really, really trust. Like, I'm talking like 3 a.m. phone call friend. You would leave your kids with them, that kind of stuff, that, that person. 
and you, you share that situation that you're struggling with, and you ask them to walk with it through you. Now, in some circles, this is called confession. And I held off on using that word because I know it comes with baggage, right? But that's historically within the church, the Christian tradition, this is called confession. Dre, can you put up the, um, the definition I have? This is from the Life with God devotional. Sharing our deepest weaknesses and failures with God and trusted others so that we may enter into God's grace and mercy and experience his ready forgiveness and healing. Okay? I want to look at a couple of verses that encourage us to participate in confession. Next one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. We will, he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9. From James chapter 5, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's the biblical encouragement, the biblical mandate to participate in confession. So I, I, know, I know this is, this is not easy. Right? I want to, um, Dre, the second quote from uh, Dr. Rob Reimer, if you could put that up there. I think it's the next slide. We cannot walk free if we will not repent from sin, right? Another word with baggage. It just means turn from what you're doing and move towards God. We cannot walk free if we will not repent from sin and bring it into the light with God and others. Next slide. I can't do that, right? This is the response to Dr. Reimer. I can't do that. I'm afraid. The enemies of our souls make honesty terrifying and secrets appealing. But only as we walk in the light with God and others can we truly get free. Right? So we need God's spirit. We need the help of others. And when we engage with both of them, we can turn down the volume of the flesh. Right? Of those desires, those cravings that get the better of us, that keep, keep us shackled. And we can move into living truly, truly free right i would call confession one of the constraints of love that john mark comer referenced when we bring god and other people into our weaknesses and our failures it allows jesus to express himself through us in a way that we love him and live for him and love others and live for them. So I would just encourage you, maybe, um, you guys can come, you guys can come up, um, maybe for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, as the band is going to do a, a song for us, you could just use it as a response, that you would come before Jesus, and if there's something between you and he, if there's a desire, a craving that has the better of you, you would just let Jesus know that. And that you would be brave enough to ask Jesus to like, hey, go to so-and-so. You can trust them, right? They've earned your trust. Share this with them. And let me say this. If you feel like you don't have that person, I'm happy to be that person for you. Pastor Leanne is happy to be that person for you. It does not have to be us, right? There are some traditions that say you have to confess to a member of the clergy, you don't have to do that, but we are absolutely 100% available to be that person for you. So take this opportunity now as the band does this next song 
Spend some time with Jesus. Respond to what the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you right now.